last time I left you with a very heavy message. I am aware of that, and I left it hanging for a reason so that it would really sink into us how much we are really not loving people. And therefore, we're not loving God as much as we should be, and we're not giving him glory as he is due. So I want to help us this time kind of process that and give us some next steps to move forward into loving people better. Welcome to the Intentional Christian Podcast, where we live to glorify God on purpose. I'm your host, Matt Adams, and I am an Intentional Christian. Anybody that knows me knows that I've been harping on this for the last couple weeks. Even though you only get to hear me once in a while, people at my church and my family have to listen to me a lot more. And that is that I truly believe, as Americans specifically, we have built our lives in such a way that we are prevented from loving people and loving God the way that we should be. And it might be physical, but it also is mental and definitely spiritual. I mean, Satan is trying to keep us from loving people and loving God properly. But I truly believe that this is one thing that we can work on that will free us up or help us to love people better. And that is the way that we've structured our lives Now, if you're just joining us and this is the first time you've listened, what we're going to talk about today is based on the previous episode. So I highly encourage you, stop right now, listen to the other one right before this uh, Christian's job or something like that, and then start back up with this one. Uh, It's okay if you continue, but what we talk about is really based on the previous episode. Anyway, this is what we've done. As Americans, I'm specifically speaking to us, we've bought houses and we've bought cars and we've bought stuff in our lives that force us to work more at our jobs and our jobs take more and more of our time. And then we come home and we have to mow the lawn and we have to fix the sink and we have to take the dog out for a walk and we have to go get groceries and we have to do all the things that involve living. Then we go to church on Sunday and we take up that time. Then we have to go have lunch and we think, well, we haven't had lunch with, you know, this family in so long. So we set up lunch dates with our fellow church members and we haven't had these family over for dinner. So Thursday night, they're coming over for dinner and we have small group on Tuesday night. We have gymnastics and ballet on Wednesday night and we have soccer on Friday night and we have this and we have that and we want to get in our Monday night football game because we got to take a break for ourselves. And, and that's not even considering personal hobbies vacations that we take going golfing or just time wasters or and and that's not even to mention how much tv people consume nowadays and i'm not saying that you do that i'm not saying i do that i don't even have a tv but my time gets taken up somehow and i think 
that you would find if you analyzed your time and your efforts and what you put your priorities as, you would find your time being eaten up as well. And it just goes on and on. And then we think, man, I just got to start doing some ministry. You know what? I'm going to go do, you know, feed my starving children once a year. Or I'm going to, you know, have 10 couples from my church over for dinner. And then I'm going to call that ministry or discipleship. And really, we haven't even taken the time to get to know our very next door neighbor. And it's not even something that's, I'm not saying it's like easy to do. I'm saying this is extremely hard and I'm failing at it. And I'm feeling the tension of it because what I read in scripture is saying, go love God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, hey, I'm doing a great job loving myself. I'm doing a great job loving my family. I'm not doing a great job at loving my neighbor. And I'm not sharing and showing the love of Christ with them. And that's a sign that I don't love them because there's a real hell. Okay, now that's what we discussed in the last podcast. So I want to I talk a little bit about what can we do to kind of turn that around. Now, out of the million things that you could do, okay, this is not the only thing you could do. But it is something that I kind of started thinking about in my own life because I was at this place before and I've shifted away from it is to put yourself in the place of a missionary because yeah we want to keep the distinction of evangelism and missions and stuff like this but I'm talking for a mindset because a missionary goes into a location with one purpose and that is to share the gospel, to make Christ known. Well, guess what, Christian? (laughs) That is your purpose on this earth. Preparing yourself for judgment day, preparing others for judgment day. You know, God hasn't just called pastors and missionaries to do ministry. It's actually all Christians duty, the the commandments to go make disciples were not given to super Christians. They were given to regular Christians. We're called to make disciples. So how do we do that? Well, we should be shifting and moving and buying and doing everything in life with the purpose of making disciples with the purpose of making Christ known. That's what you do when you become a missionary. When you go to the foreign field, this is how we set up our life. We walk in, or a team of people go in in advance, and they literally research where this person should live. They do prayer walks, and they visit neighbors, and they talk to elders, and they see what is the most strategic place for this family to live. And then they go there, hard or not, comfortable or not. That is how they decide where to live, by priority of giving God glory, maximizing your evangelism efforts. Well, what do we think about when we buy houses here? You know, it's got to have, you know, four bedrooms and 
2,000 square feet. And let me think, when, when I was <laughs> going to Africa, I did not get to pick the square footage of my mud brick house, okay? Uh, you just get put where you are. It doesn't matter how comfortable it is. We think about if it has two-car garage or does it have carpet or hardwood floors or, you know, I'm, I was just at this like $500,000 house and the entire thing was just gorgeous and the lady's like... Oh, yeah, but just excuse the smell. We're going to be ripping out all of these carpets. I was like, okay, cool. You know, sure, if they're full of dog and cat pee, that's that's one thing. But just if it's like just wasted money because you want hardwood floors, I mean, is that the best use of money for the gospel? It, it We think totally different than when we go to the mission field. We don't think, oh, we need this kind of carpet or that kind of carpet. We just think, hey, man, I wish I had carpet because my feet hurt. <laughs> That's what I thought all the time. People are like, what do you miss the most? Is it like cheeseburgers? Is it, you know, McDonald's or whatever? I'm like, no, I miss carpet. Carpet is so nice. <laughs> I didn't need much else. But we just got to start shifting our minds. Now, another thing, vehicles. You think, okay, what vehicle do I buy? Do I buy this? Oh, man, this car looks sweet. It's got this paint job. It's coming with these rims, you know. I won't take anything less than like the LX package or whatever trim package. That's not how they think. They think... What vehicle is going to best suit my needs? And guess what? The people back home supporting them financially are hoping the same thing. They ain't going to be sending you no money and big checks to drive around no fancy vehicle. Why? Because that is not the best way to win people to Christ. Okay? You know, the villagers are going to be looking at you like, Whoa, dude, he's pimping, man. I want that Jesus. You know, that's actually how the prosperity gospel thinks, you know. That's why, like, what was that one pastor's like, I drive a Ferrari because I am a Ferrari. You know, no, none of that thinking. That doesn't fly on the mission field, okay? We're trying to win people to Christ, not get them to drive fancy cars and be in big houses. That has nothing to do with Christianity. So we think that. How could we best maximize our vehicle? What about grocery shopping? Do we just go to the market and buy all this food so that we can, you know, stuff our bellies? No. We live like the people. We live like them to reach them, to relate to them. Uh, if you're out of reach, if, you, if they're coming to your house and they're, you know, starving, living on potatoes for every meal, and they come over and you're eating steaks and pork chops, well, if you're Muslim, if, and other things, they're going to be like, super offended. Like this guy can eat all this food and I'm over here starving and my kids are starving and he doesn't even care enough to help me. That's the opposite of the message we're trying to send. We're trying to send a message that says, I see where you're at and I am here to help you in any way and anything I can give. I want to help you. Now, there is a point where helping hurts. If you don't know that, read the book, When Helping Hurts. But in general, we do want to show them that we love them and we're willing to do anything with them. And that actually can 
become attention uh, overseas. But here, we're not going to struggle with that kind of attention so much. So we want to convey the message, hey, I, I give you the shirt off my back. I mean, I, hey, you need groceries? I'll take you grocery shopping. Uh, you need you know, your mortgage payment paid this month because you're struggling? Um, let me help you. That's We should be willing to do anything it takes to show them love, to show them what Christ would do in that situation. Again, I'm, I'm not trying to be specific, specifically for the reason that we need to figure this out in each situation. Some people can't take donations. They're not responsible. Some people can handle that. Um, so you need to be aware of that in your context with your neighbors. But we need to go in with the attitude, with the mentality that we love this person. Be willing to hug them when they're dirty and smelly. Uh, okay, back to the mission. Back to the mission. The mission is sharing the gospel, sharing Christ's love with people. What are we thinking about? We're thinking about our lives. We're thinking about our schedules, sports. I know a couple of people at my church that specifically are in sports to minister to the parents, to make relationships with the kids and so forth for the point of sharing the gospel. Okay, that's amazing. That's the way that we need to be thinking in America. We don't join gymnastics so that our kid can become a star gymnast in 10 years. That's a that that might be fun to do, but that has nothing to do with the Christian mission. If you spend your entire life at gymnastics and win a gold medal, guess what? You might be just as hopeless as the gold medalist who committed suicide whenever they just did that because it's so empty and they got to the top and they realized, what are we doing? We haven't lived our life for anything. Uh, I think about like my car, you know, I, I had a truck and I thought, you know, I needed this truck for work. Now I don't need the truck. I'm going to sell that truck because it's a car payment that I don't need. It's a car payment that could be going to something else. And it's not because I don't want the truck. I love the truck. It's awesome. It's because I care about where my money is going far more than what car I'm driving. Like I'm on the mission field. I'm thinking about these. I'm thinking about what toys my kids are playing with. Hey, what's the difference between an American girl doll and one of those like journey girl dolls? Okay. Yes, I do know this because I have four daughters. What's the difference? Like a hundred dollars. Okay, parent, I promise you, if I pulled in a Journey Girl doll and handed it to you without any labels or anything, you wouldn't be able to tell me if that was an American Girl doll. Go buy your American Girl doll clothes at Walmart or on Craigslist. These are specific things that are eating up your money. And then we need to work more to pay for those things. And it eats up our time. Every little thing adds up. So the point I'm trying to make is this missional thinking. I, I would love it if you just went to a coffee shop and shared the gospel with people. Um, that's, that's awesome. But I'm thinking more of like your entire life. Like the little things that you're giving yourself over to. Like hobbies and vacations and things that are cutting into your ministry. You are called to do ministry. And it's not like some program that you're called to start. 
It's actually just a calling to share the gospel, to preach the good news to your neighbor and to the people in your sphere of influence. So I am suggesting a radical shift in our thinking, a radical tearing down of our lifestyles, rehashing, replanning, being intentional about what we do, what we buy, all with the mindset and the goal of being that minister for Christ, taking the time to love people, setting apart intentional times, planning evenings where you go out and minister or go do Feed My Starving Children or other things on a regular basis, volunteer, etc. Build those things into your life because it's America and life happens. Okay, when Jesus was walking through a village, I've, and I've been walking through a village, believe me, it takes a long time. <laughs> okay, people come up to you and I'm white. Yes, if you couldn't tell by my voice, I'm white. People come up to you in an African village and they want to touch you. They want to talk to you. They want to ask you questions. And Jesus slowed down and took the time to talk to people to minister to them, to cast out demons, to heal them, to forgive their sins. We can't do that, but we should take out the time to tell people about how their sins can be forgiven. They're transgressing an ultimately and infinitely holy God. Okay? They, they don't just need to be told Jesus loves them. Like walking by, hey, Jesus loves you. You need to love Jesus back. Well, that doesn't mean anything to people. Oh, good. He loves me. That's great. So what? What does that mean? Why does it matter? Okay, he loves me. Great. What's he do? going to do? Give me stuff? Is he going to just heal me or, you know, give me cars and money? Because that's what the gospel is to a lot of people. It's just that Jesus loves you. And then what? Okay. No, the gospel is that you, even in the minutest, smallest ways, have transgressed a holy God and a righteous God. And he's going to judge you for even the smallest things, the most casual words, um, his name taken in vain, any lie you've told. All of these things are stacking up against them and they need to be presented with that. And when they're presented with that, their conscience says, oh man, what can I do to be forgiven? Then you can say, Jesus loved you so much that he took your place. He took the wrath that you deserved, that sin that you committed against God. He absorbed it all in himself and he took that punishment. He took your place. And all you got to do is repent of your sins, trust in him, and, and put him on like a parachute, like when you're jumping out of a plane. You don't jump out of a plane and say, man, I believe that parachute works. That's sitting over there in the corner, collecting dust. No, you put it on, you put your faith in it, you put your trust in it, and it saves you. And when you do that with Christ, it changes your life. And your priorities are made new. And you want to share that hope that's within you with other people. 
So this brings me to an example that I want to share with you, okay? The people shall remain nameless to protect their identities. No, more like so they don't get embarrassed. <laughs> but anybody who knows them will know exactly who I'm talking about. So there once was this couple who became Christians. They read their Bible and they saw that their Bible was calling them the normal Christian to do ministry, to share the gospel with people, to make disciples. And they thought, hmm, how could we do that? What should we do? So they went out and bought a horse ranch with the explicit intention of using the horses and using the ranch as a center for ministry, going to rodeos to share the gospel and hold even cowboy or cowgirl church, sorry. And uh, they, they intentionally built their lives around mission and ministry, okay? Now, the husband, he went off and he thought, you know what, I'm going to, you know, he wasn't crazy about horses. He did love his wife and so he helped her along the way and he said i i'm gonna support this ministry financially i'm gonna go to work and i'm gonna do all of these things so that my wife can go do ministry and and he did awesome stuff he did he he helped her he's you know been a part of the ministry so don't take that as him not doing anything but his role primarily was seen as you know bringing home the bacon and supporting this ministry well recently um, he, he's been discontent with his, uh, role at his business. He's a business owner. He has employees. So he thought, you know, missional thinking, man, these, these people are my mission field. God has placed me in this position to be a light in a very dark place. So he said, how can I maximize God's glory in this place? How can I start ministering to the people that are under my care? And he said, man, am I giving God the most glory in my personal life? So first, let's work on that so that we are a light to the darkness. And then he said, hey, man, I've got all these people that want to, you know, maybe be business owners or start their own restaurant or this or that. And I have all of these resources and knowledge. He's like, he starts a program with his people. And he says, you know, if you want to be mentored by me, come, I will mentor you. His wife started mentoring some of the women. And they they made a part of their mentorship the gospel. So the kids, and well, the young people, I don't know, I call them kids. They might even be my age, I don't know. Uh, the people that he's ministering to and they're ministering to are now hearing the gospel and they're reading the gospel and, and he's saying, you know, like, I am this way because of Christ. We are succeeding. We are doing this. We're doing that because of Christ and the word. The fruit of the ministry is up to God, you know, what happens there. But that's just exciting. He's building it in. He's living missionally. He's thinking, how can I maximize God's glory in this very secular place? And these aren't like missionaries or super Christians or pastors. No, these are normal people called Christians. And they realize the call to make disciples. And he has expressed to me his inadequacy. And that's 
where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be humble, knowing that we are not sufficient to save people. Christ is. We just go and be obedient. You do not need to be a theologian. Hey, I'm a laborer. I'm a business owner. What can I be doing to maximize God's glory in my workplace? Uh, recently in my small group, I, <laughs> I had this guy, I lead a small group, and it was so awesome. He got a new job. And he's, this is what he says. You know, <laughs> it is what it is. But he says, my number one goal in my new job is to get fired for sharing the gospel. <laughs> I just had to chuckle because that is awesome. I mean, wouldn't it be amazing if we all got fired from our jobs for sharing the gospel? That would be incredible because it would mean that we're living out the gospel life. You know, uh, the Bible in the New Testament is very clear. And Jesus said, the world is going to hate you. Why is the world going to hate you? It's not because you're a really good person, uh, because the world wants really good people. They like really good people. It's going to hate you because your light is going to shine in their darkness. It's going to hurt their eyes. <laughs> like when they wake up in the morning and that sun comes through the light, the window and you're like, oh, I just want to sleep for like two more hours. It's so painful. Shut the blinds. That's you in the darkness. Okay. If that's not happening, you are not being light. Right. Jesus said, they will persecute you because they persecuted me. If they're not persecuting you, you have to ask yourself, why are they not persecuting me? Right? Because the world hates Jesus. The world hates everything the Bible stands for. Oh, they love the word faith, but that could mean anything. But when you start saying you are a sinner, you are accountable to something that's higher than yourself, and when you start naming it as God and Jesus, and they have to start living a certain way, not about rules and regulations and law. No, we're out of the law. We're not under the law. But when they have to start living as they see under the law, man, they hate it. And that conviction comes in. The Holy Spirit uh, makes it known that it's true. It's awkward. And they will rebel against it. They will fight against it. Your employer, your other fellow employees will mock you because of this. And if they're not, they really don't know everything that you stand for, right? If they knew everything you stood for, I guarantee it would be one awkward time going to work. <laughs> so we, all, we tend to suppress that. We build up our lives in comfortable ways and we separate ministry from our job from our family, from sports, so that we can just, you know, go to feed my starving children once a month, call that our duty, which we don't even do that. But if we did, we'd call that our duty, we'd call that our ministry, and it would be so comfortable. So my challenge, sit down with your spouse. If you're single, that's amazing. You have even more freedom. Sit down analyze your life, look what God has called you to do, revealed in scripture, make disciples, go preach the gospel, uh, and, and tear apart those things 
that are preventing you from doing that. Implement strategies like my friend did at his work that could help you to accomplish the mission. Don't just sit there and go to church and become a fat Christian, taking in all this knowledge. We are there to be equipped for the ministry. So be equipped. By now you should be teachers. Go out there and make disciples of all nations, intentionally ordering your life, intentionally making priorities to give God the most glory.